first of course you have to listen what they are going through what they are feeling and if you don't know what they are going through and what uh how they are feeling why they are in the end up in the hospitals without knowing them then it will be hard to start the healing process this is francis in this episode of Footnotes, we'll hear an interview conducted by Sumit Kumar, who's an MA student in the Department for the Study of Religion at the University of Toronto. He earned his postgraduate diploma in Buddhist studies and a master's in Buddhist and Tibetan studies from the Department of Chinese and Tibetan Languages in India before coming to um, Toronto. Sumit first met Bhante Adesh at Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado. Bhante Adesh was born in Bangladesh. At the age of 18, Bhante decided to become a monk. He studied at the International Buddhist College in Thailand and graduated from Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado. He's a resident monk at the Compassionate Dharma Cloud Monastery in Colorado. He volunteers at hospices and hospitals in the United States and is actively engaged with people who experience advanced life-limiting illness. In this episode, Bhante Adesh will share his insights with Sumit on the role of a monk in Buddhist spiritual practice, on the differences between healing practices in Buddhism and biomedicine, and on Bhante Adesh's work in hospitals in the United States. He also talks about the importance of deeply listening to others as the first step in working as a healer, and on the role of mindfulness in healing. My name is Sumit. I'm a student in the Department for the Study of Religion, University of Toronto, Canada. And my area of interest is Buddhist Tantric tradition. And in today's episode, we will talk about Buddhist healing practices and their role in eliminating the cause of mental and bodily suffering. Our guest is Bhante Adesh. He is a residence monk at the Compassionate Dharma Cloud Monastery, Colorado. He is going to share with us his insight on the role of a monk in Buddhist spiritual practice. Hello, Bhante Adesh. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Bhante Adesh, I am curious to know how do you perceive the difference between biomedicine and Buddhist healing practices? Could you elaborate on some methods and techniques for our audiences and how it aids them to heal without biomedicine? So uh, the differences between these, the biomedicine and Buddhist healing process. So Buddhist, Buddhist healing process is mainly talking about the mind and body, which is goes together. So the practice which is heals through the practice of meditations or practice of mindfulness meditations, where the biomedicine is mainly focused on the medicine for the biologist, the, the change of the, um, the body. And of course it does help with a uh, little bit of uh, changing the, when you have a feeling of stress and all that, kind of it does reduce, but it just simply suppress suppress the the disease but it doesn't cure itself so here the buddhist healing practice is more like uh you take out of the roots the roots of 
roots of uh, ignorance, roots of desire, roots of um, attachments. So when you take this, take out of this root, then it's cured itself. But rather than uh, suppressing with uh, uh, with a to uh, to cure it. So here, the, the, there are two kind of kind of practice that we can provide. Buddhist practice probably provide one is called the samatha practice, which is calm abiding meditations. The other one is called um, inside meditations or vipassana meditation. So calm abiding meditations will give you give you the peace of your mind and of course it has another purpose to to go for enlightened and for for being enlightened so you need to go through the uh, inside practice as well so healing practice when you start to do the uh, meditations like let's say calm abiding meditations so the the body and mind where normally when we practice together uh, practice the samatha uh, meditations the mind and body if you if you can keep your mind within the body there is a healing process that start to your body and also the mind since buddhism's uh, focus on the mind mostly, but it doesn't uh, decline that the body doesn't matter. Body does matter, but because it, the body and mind doesn't separate. Actually, it goes together. To to heal our body, you need a mind as well. That's what we call the mindfulness practice. So mindfulness practice, what it does, it's bring your mind to the body and recognize that what is your problem the problem for example if we have a disease or something or you have a pain pain in your body then you just uh, look into you first first establish to recognize them the recognize is like a, you have a pain or you have a, some sensations. So if you have a, this kind of sensation, then you first need to recognize it. After recognizing it, then you can start to think of the origin of it. Where is it coming from? So this kind of process is, you, if you are not mindful, then it's hard to recognize them you have a disease or you have a, some kind of problem within the body. In the similar way, when uh, it, the mind of the same, there's a, we have a lot of a stress and depressions and, and all kinds of things. So mostly what we do is uh, we try to take some kind of medicine to suppress them, but rather than looking into them directly. If you look into the, the directly to uh, where is it we have like a suffering, this is called the suffering, or this is the problem, and we need to find its origin, where is it coming from, then of course, after you finding them, then you apply the medicines, medicine of a different kind of method that you can use. So there, mostly when we practice meditations, we start with the breathing and breathe out meditations to bring our mind within the body and when we start to do that then we can recognize that we have a problem with the body and also with the mind so if if we uh, practice is continuously we go then it's we recognize that the body and mind it goes together rather than separate where the biomedicine it's more like focusing on the uh, just just the body rather than the mind because but the mind 
is very the core of this process, the healing process. So that's why Buddhism mostly talk about or mostly try to focus on the mind rather than the body. You have been a practitioner monk in Bangladesh and Thailand. You are now working in U.S. hospitals. In what ways Western practitioners are different when it comes applying Buddhist healing concept? Can you give us some examples? So uh, since I was born in Bangladesh and also in I was practicing in Thailand, and there's a uh, in Western um, in Western practice, they have a very big misconcept of mindfulness practice. It's they call it's as it, the mindfulness practice is took as a, as a religion so rather than being looking into mind because everyone has a mind and everyone having a stress depression so due to circumstances. But when like a the Buddhist practice or mindfulness practice come to the Western and that thing that this is a part of religious activity, religious activity that you, if you don't engage them, then you, or, or you, if you engage them, you become, um, uh, you convert to the Buddhism. But, and if you really look into the Buddhist, um, the Buddhist practice, a mindfulness practice or many other practices there, but it doesn't actually really apply to the religious things because everyone has a mind. And if you want to have like happiness, and of course, if your mind is peace and then there is a peace of mind, it comes. So this is not, there is uh, this misconception of Western practitioners that take as a, as a religious something because uh, they're not looking into that. This is the just a mind practice rather than some kind of connected with the religious things. So uh, for for the Western practice, there are sometimes they have like a, since they have a, um, they have like problem with uh, having a faith or uh, masters or something when, it's, when you come to the uh, Western practice. So in the Asian practice, they have a faith on like a mindfulness practice and also the, the Dharma. And when it comes to the Western practice and they take as a very religious lay that uh, we shouldn't, we shouldn't practice mindfulness things or mindfulness um, activities because it will, if you do that, then it convert like you become a, a Buddhist practitioner or you, you're joining to the Buddhist things rather than thinking that this is just simply to have a, a piece of your mind or just or um, to have a, a insight or being happy with your activities in a daily life. So in a U.S. hospital, how do you start the healing process for your clients? What are the main problems that you face while talking with clients? Uh, so healing processes start with the listening. First, of course, you have to listen what is what they are going through, what they are feeling. And if you don't know what they are going through and what uh, how they are feeling, what they are feeling, why they are in the end up in the hospitals without knowing them, 
then it will be hard to start the healing process. So first step is to listen them. Listen and listen, it's more basically um, 80% or 90% of things that you just listen them rather than being talking with them, just asking them questions that, okay, what did, how you feel this, how you feel that, and why are you feeling this way, why you feel that way. So this is the more uh, like a looking into their feeling looking into their feeling of like if they are feeling something as stress or like grief or because they lost the the loved one. And so you if you are you asking them to look into their feeling and we go with the we go like a go more deeper and deeper with asking questions. So when they open up with their feeling and they start to see this feeling as a fading way and also it's not only fading way but it's they can recognize those feelings so most most of the uh um the clients end up in the hospital they don't recognize that they have a this kind of a like, grief in feeling they try to avoid more like a, the fear of talking about them, the surprise in the inner. And because of that, so they have like this stress and depression that so they don't know how to handle this kind of the problem. So for uh, for the, the healing process, I start with the listening and asking questions then, then how they're feeling, what is going through, all those problems they're uh, trying to talk about. And so the main, the problems, of course, uh, there's always, when you talk with them, uh, there's always problem have when like, because different clients has a different issues that it is not like a, you immediately uh, recognize them what would be their problem. Uh, like uh, after one or two sessions, it's not easy to uh, like uh, giving a kind of um, the, the method that they can do, then after one week they'll be overcome. So this is this is very a long process of time. So, so the most the problem is con being a patience. Being patience means you need to it, this take a long time to heal because it's the mind processing things. So sometimes they are very impatient with the process, but if they are very patience with the process and try to uh, look into their feeling then of course it it's worked out and but so this is the slow process that they are uh, impatient with would you agree that mindful practice has an important role in healing process in north america Yes, it definitely has a, a important role uh, for the healing process because uh, everyone has a mind, as I mentioned before, everyone has a mind and everyone's having some kind of a stress or depressions feeling or struggling with the life or is struggling with their daily life especially. And so in this process, the mindfulness practice, it's of course, it's is a very healing process in wherever. It is not only in North America, but as long as you have a mind, then you can have, um, you can heal if you do the mindfulness practice. Um, so there are uh, when I was doing 
um, when I was doing the volunteer work at a hospital and uh, it was in the unit of eating disorder patients. So I went there and for the, for the helping them to realize them why they end up to the, in, in that unit eating disorder. So I start to do the practice of meditations with them and just go and sit them, uh, sit with them and guided them meditations um, and the different kind of method. First, of course, I have to listen to them and what kind of method they want to um, or they want to practice. And I do like a, give them a guidance of like, if you do this practice, then of course you have um, this kind of uh, the method that it might help you. So at first it was um, it was good, but since they have like a dis- eating disorder person, they are very struggling with their body, and and since they are struggling with the body and they're. If you have, a, it says the good health, the good mind, and good mind and good body. Uh, yeah, good body and good mind, good uh, mind and good body. So since you don't have a good body and it's it's very difficult to focus on the um, in the good mind as well because it's it's both goes together. So uh, so they have a schedule for eating a specific time and also all, all kind of things, but they're still struggling with. Uh, with the uh, with the physical um, physical struggle, physical strength. So when I go to the the uh, eating disorder patients to practice them, they mostly uh, find their struggle with the body or sitting sitting with a, a straight weight with the postures or sitting on the bed. So those are um, a lot of problems. But all those problems start when they have a, this kind of a stress or depression life, how they ended up eating like a eating disorder. So those are when we really look into the very deep way. So they, they are actually, it started with the, through our, uh, through the mind. We have a, like a very um, excessive thinking or, or a stress is, is and, and the depressions. When you have feel that, then you lose your appetite. Uh, to eat the food, or you you have a misconceptions of if you eat food, this food, then uh, you you get a fat, and your body will not look nice, and your body you see something else. But when these misconceptions in your head, then you start to eat less and less and less food. So eventually, you eating less food, and you end up in the hospital. But the practicing the mindfulness. It's is to see how much food you need, how much food you uh, needed in, in daily activities, how much calories and all kind of things. So it's the mindfulness practice is to guide you in your mind as well as in the body. If you are mindfully eating something, then you know that you need this much of food. It's not like a mindfulness. Uh, the mindfulness practice will let you eat like a less. It's 
there is this misconception of a, a lot of people are saying that the in Buddhist practice, Buddhist uh, practice mindfulness actually teach you that to eat less. So like in in our monk, uh, sometimes when we go for the practice, we eat only one time, and the rest of the we engage with the practice. But it is not true. The mindfulness practice is more to give a guidance how much how much food you need in daily activities. And of course, in traditions and, and Buddhist monks do this uh, once a um, once meal a day. It's because once you finish your meal, then after that, there's you don't need to think any about the next meal when it will come. It's to reduce your thinking that you need to prepare food, you need to cook, you need to do something for the food. So that's why um, monks are are more uh, convenient or comfortable with eating one meal. But if you come to the household life and, and eating, it's of course three meals is a, um, it's a chant. But if you do the like a mindfulness practice, it doesn't mean that the, the practice will modi, like a, uh, uh, modify you or, or motivate you to eat less. But it will guide you to eat how much, how much food you need for your body. Thank you for good examples. So now my last question is, would you tell us something about the responsibilities of a monk and the important role they have played as pharmacists in doctors in Buddhism? Uh, responsibilities as monks is um, we call it the sangha, the community. So, for for example, now I'm in the temple in the Compassion and Democratic Monastery. So we have a services in every Sunday for uh, for the Vietnamese um, Vietnamese community. They come to the temple and they do the services and the chanting and there is a meditations. Um, so there is uh, this um, Vietnamese community come to every Sunday and they do the, uh, we do the services for them and sometimes funeral services and sometimes, of course, every Sunday it's, we give a Dhamma talk, a meditation and chanting. So for these uh, responsibilities, it's it's very important for, for the community who comes to the temple and gather together, we eat together. So this gathering, it's very important because it's, is a family. You can say it's a family that when you gather with all the people and share your thoughts, share your experience, share your um, spiritual path all together, then there is a healing process itself. It goes. So, what do we? Our responsibility is to um, arrange. Um, arrange for them for to come to the temple. So this is not only like a uh, like a Vietnamese group. So we have an English group as well. So like English speaking groups. We have a Tuesday at five o'clock, and also the Saturday for the mindfulness practice there. So this English speaking group comes every Tuesday and also on Saturday. So we uh, share our experience with them, and we do have a practice um, the sitting meditations and walking meditations, some exercise. So so these, um, when you say the responsibility of the monk, it's to 
the guidance is to guide other community to come together and and share your whole experience, your experience to to them that can see their they can take their own path to, to, uh, following the following uh, practicing with them um, like a, if they practice their own we just need to show the guide of um, guidance one need to do and of course to cross the rivers they have to practice their own self so our responsibility is to arrange um, the community uh, like here and if they comes, so of course they like to practice together we are welcome to every um, every um, uh, religious people here thank you Bhante for this beautiful talk thank you thank you Sumit